So we just kind of, I just edit the songs in later. So okay. unless there's something you need to hear, um, we just kind of pretend that we're hearing the music and it's the magic of me editing the podcast later on that drops the songs in in between our conversations. I was going to sing the songs. Is that a problem? Um, I was just taking a big gulp of water when you said that. So <laughs> You're welcome. Oh my goodness, we're back. And what's that new theme music? Oh my goodness gracious. Shout out to Craig Mack. Uh, even though Puff and Biggie did you wrong, Flavor in Your Ear is still an all-time bop. It's real hip-hop. Hip-hop, hip-hop, real hip-hop. Um, welcome to season number four of the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. First should mention i've changed the name of the podcast if you are a regular subscriber to this podcast in services such as apple podcasts or spotify you may have noticed uh, a name change unceremoniously recently just changing it to the anhedonic headphones podcast rather than the cumbersome title that it went by for the first three seasons uh i changed it because even though uh, Anhedonic Headphones Podcast 2 Electric Boogaloo was a reference to the breakdancing film Break Into Electric Boogaloo, uh, it's been brought to my attention this year that there is a alt-right group of incels uh, that go by the Boogaloo Boys, and I don't really fuck with that, so I don't want any incels uh, or white supremacists listening to this podcast. So if you are either one of those things, please turn this off right now and go fuck yourself. Um, my name is Kevin Krein. Uh, I am the writer behind all of the overly long and garbage content on the music website, Anhedonic Headphones, soon to be entering its, its eighth wonderful year. Can you believe that? I sure can't. Uh, and we are headed into season four of the podcast, which is the audio extension of the blog, where I just interview people uh, about tunes. This season has been uh, a little bit different when putting it together because of the Rona, which nine months later is still a thing. Y'all should be wearing masks and staying inside, but you're not. So thanks. Thanks for everything. Um, so... Of the five episodes you'll be hearing this season, uh, two of which were conducted in person uh, via uh, being socially distant across uh, a large space with recording equipment. Uh, but the other three were done remotely using an online service that the guest would connect to and it would record our conversation. So the first episode here we're going to get to in season four uh, is one of those. So it was a, kind of the trial run of that, and I thought it worked really, really well. It is an interview with one of my oldest friends, uh, and I was happy to have her be the first guest of this new season and to chop it up about a wildly diverse batch of tunes. So please put your hands together, make her feel good. Ah, 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 gang, gang. Please welcome today's guest, Liz Johnson. Oh, let's get weird. So are you are you ready to to do this thing? I am ready. Yeah. Oh, first I'm of so all, ready. Well, so ready. Okay, so first, 
thank you so much for a being willing to come onto the podcast under strange uh rona circumstances and do this with like a weird remote recording uh to see how it goes with uh distance conversations because i have never done this before um with any of the guests, they've all been sitting in my living room, and I have been just like a couple feet away from them. But oh, wild! Yeah, yeah. They, it's all like so. This is the, the like the first season. I was still trying to figure things out and uh, figure out like how to record people and what equipment to use. And then the second and third season, it kind of hit its stride in terms of uh, the conversation and uh, kind of the pacing. And then right, I was trying to do one with a friend of mine in town right when the pandemic started. And he was like, yeah, I don't think we should do this. And I was like, that's a very valid point. And so the ones that came out in the spring were all like recorded in February and in March before things got really uh, bad. Okay. And so now, now it's kind of like I sat all summer and I was like, is there a way to even do this again? And this is a way to do it and to reach out to people who live elsewhere, which is really wild and something that I was interested in doing because I've got friends all over. Um, I, and I've reached out to many of them. And it's going to be great to hear from people who are all over and not just people in my living room that I work with or that I know in town. So I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your evening in Iowa to chop it up with me uh, remotely and talk about tunes. But so, Liz. Kevin. uh, (laughs) First of all, uh, I have known you for 19 years. Holy, has it been that long? Yeah, I was reflecting on that as I was mentally preparing myself to do the interview and uh, getting the tunes you wanted to play and reading a little bit about them. And I was like, how long have I known Liz? I have known Liz since 2001. And so I hesitate to say, I actually know, I'll say it. Let's keep it funky. We go back like babies and pacifiers. Amazing. And so we know each other from our days as students at Clark College, now Clark University, in the charming riverside town of Dubuque, Iowa. And you are doing big things now in, uh, in Des Moines. I sure um, am. So do you, and so outside of knowing me for almost 20 years, which is, again, wild and reflects on how much time has passed and how young we once were. Uh, but do you, like, what do you, what... Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what you do right now for a living and kind of the work that you've been doing? Cause you are doing you, like, you're doing like really big things right now. Yeah. So right now I am the executive director of the Iowa civil rights commission, which is the state agency that enforces the Iowa civil rights act. Okay. So we are effectively a civil law enforcement agency. Okay. And we employ mostly attorneys and we process complaints, alleging discrimination. Okay. And um, I guess because this is a, a new wild season of all of this, because we are living in a pandemic, uh, how have you been holding up uh, for the last six months? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> gee. I mean, I haven't, um, had to ask that, I haven't had to ask that question yet with anybody, any guests, because it's, it's usually just we get started. We talk a little bit about like people's relationship with music, and then we just get right into it. But now it's kind of like... How has your life changed since uh, March? Are you working from home? Are you going to work still? Are you on some kind of like ridiculous lockdown? Um, how has this affected you? Like, and like, how is your mental well-being? Stuff like that. Um, yeah, like how how have you been holding up? Because it's been for me, it's been a wild roller coaster, and we have kind of talked on and off about that. But yeah, it's been 
I assume that everybody has a different experience. And I'm going to guess that yours has also been kind of wild at times. It has. So work-wise, work has actually been somewhat normal. Okay. And thankfully so. Okay. So I have continued to go into the office because I have several administrative personnel who cannot work from home. Okay. And so it was my mindset that if I have people who have to keep going in during the pandemic, I will show up for them. Yeah, that's no, that's good. That, and that's good. That's, um, that's like setting a good tone and being like a good leader and everything to, to be there for your staff who aren't able to work from home. Because I know not everybody is able to do work from home, regardless yeah. of what they do for a living. Well, and honestly, the few days that I've tried to work from home, it just, it, it's not my jam. <laughs> I need to leave the house. I yeah, need no, to... I, could, I totally get that. Um, yeah, things have been like on my days off here. Uh, I'm kind of like, who? what did I do before all this? Like, where did I go? And what did I, who, did I see people? Did I, like, how did this work? And because now it's just kind of like, well, let's see, how, what, what other projects can I do around the house? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, things outside of work have been, you know, um... <laughs> Difficult? Yeah, like... Challenging? Thank goodness for the two people that are sitting in this room with me, passively listening to me do this. (laughs) My husband and my Uh, stepdaughter. Shout out to Todd. Shout out to Joy. Uh, 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 Gang, gang. Um, Yeah. uh, How are they doing? Are they... Is your family doing okay with all this? How are your your animal pals doing too? Oh my God. They're so good. They're so good. We recently discovered a a new dog park. Oh, that's I bet that's exciting for your doggos. The lady dogs are so into it. (laughs) I have asked you as one of my oldest friends uh, and a music friend, I asked you to be a guest on the show because you have always had diverse and fascinating taste in music. Uh, And so you picked 10 songs to talk about. I did. And you picked songs that you were able to talk about with getting too emotional, which is uh, smart because unless you want to get weepy in the digital recording here, I, I mean, and that's totally fine. This is a safe, a safe space to talk about feelings. But if you just want to talk about good tunes that you have specific memories with that aren't going to be like Downy Clowny, that is okay too. So you picked some, some, I was surprised by many of the choices on here <sighs> because I wasn't, I was not sure what to anticipate um, and a couple of these, I was like, huh, I, ha- I don't know what this is. And then I listened to it. And I'm like, wow, that is, I would not like that is, I am interested to hear the stories behind, uh, this journey we're about to take. <laughs> so if, if you are ready to begin, I am ready. Uh, first, my question is, aside from being, uh, songs that you are capable of having a conversation about, uh, that aren't going to be too emotional, what, are these in a specific order or like what kind of um, like what other metrics did you use to assemble this? this, I'm I'm assuming this is not autobiographical, but um, unless it is, and we have to go to our fall of 1983 pile to listen to landslide. But, (laughs) but I'm just, I'm just curious about the, the order with which these arrive. So if you could talk about that a little bit before we hop into this Calvin Harris jam. Um, that would be dope. Yeah, so I kind of 
like they're slightly moved from where they showed up for me in terms of songs that I thought of. Okay. Okay. And I went based on like songs that I most frequently put on, well, now electronic playlists, but formerly rest in peace mixed CDs. But so these are these are popular favorites on your digital playlists. They're popular favorites, and I tried to pick a range in terms of songs that I listen to when I want to kind of curl up into a ball and stare out the window. Okay, and then songs that I want to roll down the windows and blast when I'm driving really fast, and everywhere in between. So Kelvin Harris featuring Future and Khalid, not to be confused with DJ Khalid. Um, uh, it's Khalid. Is, oh, it's Khalid. I'm sorry. That is, see, this is me not understanding a lot of things that are recent. Because this is a pretty recent song, isn't it? Like recent it is a pretty in, recent song. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know who Khalid is. Is he, he's a newish performer? He is maybe two, three years ago. Okay. He had a couple, like his breakout hits were Young, Dumb, and Broke, which I hated. <laughs> and I heard it and I was like, what is this terrible nonsense that the youth of today are listening to? <laughs> With your TikToks and your Khalid and... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There was just a lot of muttering and head shaking. Oh boy. Yeah. We but are of that demographic now that is un- uncertain what to do with today's youths. <laughs> but then he had this second song called Location, which was just really kind of sweet and a little pretty, but still had this nice urban vibe to it. And okay. Like, I really grew to like his music a lot. Okay. And so that's why I sought out this song. Okay. It, this is an interesting a trio. I mean, like, Kelvin Harris is, like, a celebrity producer DJ. But, like, someone who's, like, I, I future is not very wholesome. And so, like, the juxtaposition, like, the combination of future who is, like, a great heel turn in like top 40 hip hop and then like 
a newer name in like hip hop R and B. It just seems I just was surprised to see those two names together. Um, but yeah, this works. Like this was fun. I did listen to this because I wanted to not be a total uncultured buffoon when I hit record and was like, so tell me about these music, these songs I've never heard of music before. Because <laughs> um, sometimes I found like in the past, if I don't actually like get a better grasp on the tunes that people pick and I, I sound kind of um, un, like uninformed and then I, I'm like, oh, I feel really dumb for not having like listened to more of this before we started talking. But so, so how did you come across this one? And like, what's the, is this just like a feel good jam for you right now? Uh, especially right now? Or like, what, what was the, what was your process with picking this one specifically? So this is my current, like, put on the sunglasses, roll down the windows. Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like a pimp. <laughs> you got to have that top down speakers up energy. And I totally get that. I totally get that. You, you, there's a rarely, it's tough to find a song that has that, like that vibe where you're like, yes, this is the one that makes right? me want to do that. Yeah. That is also like, I find it interesting to listen to because it doesn't sound like everything else out there. Yeah, it, that is true. Yeah, yeah. Do you and listen it, to a lot of other Kevin Harris um, like production stuff? Because he has a lot of tunes that he's responsible for. I was just reading. I listen to some Calvin okay. Harris. But like I listened to earlier Calvin Harris. Okay, okay. You're like, I liked him before he was famous. I liked his early stuff, bro. <laughs> I'm a real no, fan. My problem was I listened to earlier Calvin Harris and it seemed like it all, it was all kind of sounding like the same thing. Oh, okay. Okay. And I was He's like, okay, this is not what I need to be bringing into my life. <laughs> um, so is this on an album or is this just a single or? Um... I think this is on an album. I just, I got it on iTunes, my friend. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's totally fine. So shout out to iTunes, making things easy for people. Do you, are you a Spotify or Apple music person? Do you do streaming or like, cause I'm, I'm slowly getting into that more and I'm just always curious who uses what service or if they use a service and why they use the one that they do. I use them both a bit. I'm trying to figure out, like I don't pay for anything at this point. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out if either is worth paying for in some form. Yeah, I didn't know that there was like a free version of Apple Music. I use Spotify and the commercials get to be a little much sometimes, but I guess it's 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 a convenience, like it's a convenient service for me that I found recently for checking things out. My problem is I listen to like probably the same 40 songs in my music library over and over and over again. And so then I will just go and pick a random letter in, in my alphabet. music library. And be oh like, boy. oh, this. Oh I boy. forgot I owned this. <laughs> Isn't that something when you forget that you've downloaded something or that you have something on your computer and then it comes up and you're like, oh, wow, I did really like this song. Wow. Hey, what a blast from the past. <laughs> exactly. Like I had that happen with Rufus. L.O.V. on my right leg. Yeah. Now, nah, hinges overload. You did what I'm saying? 
like I should be giving up. You can't leave it, it's too much. But I'm tired of all you leading me on. I don't like where this shit is going. And I've been stuck in all your apologies. Gave my all, but you want it all from me. Keep your love, it doesn't feel the same. I hope it hurts you when you hear in my name. If you if you like contemporary, like soul-ish pop, okay, check them out. Is there like a comparison you would make to someone like a name people might know um, or not so much? I'm awful at this game. That's okay. I won't put you on the spot like that again. Thank you. (laughs) I can tell you who he's not like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So is there anything else about this one aside from it's like a good recent top down speakers up feel good vibe, especially that you need right now during these times of emotional duress? Yeah, that's about it. Just good pimp that's, song. That's totally fine. Do you still have your medium pipping sweatshirt that you had? I do not. Oh, no. I lost I think about, it in the flood. The flood? The flood oh. of 2008. Oh, no. I think about that. I thought about that sweatshirt a lot, actually. Like, not oh, recently, but within, like, sometimes I'm like... It was distinctly maroon, and the font was really neat, and I it was very clever at the time, because um, that song "Big Pimpin" was still very popping, right. and I was just, just like I I don't know it passes through my mind occasionally, and I'm just like man that's what yeah she really made that happen that was like on brand with you at the at the time. Oh, that was I great. I don't know if you can roll up to the office right now wearing that when you're working <laughs> with a bunch of lawyers and you're trying to do like discrimination work and be like, yes, I'm wearing a shirt. This is medium pimping. Take, please sit down. So have a seat in my office. I'll save that for the work from home days. <laughs> when you have the, when you have the camera turned. Crimson flames tied through my ears, rolling high and mighty traps. to um marshall crenshaw yes my back pages which in the in the notes that you sent me of the tunes you you put uh written by bob dylan yes um who do you think is the more influential of the dylans bob dylan or jacob dylan (laughs) this is a question that i ask a lot of my guests and a lot of them 
One of them didn't know who Jacob Dylan was. What? Uh, but it was my friend George, and he's much, much younger than me, and so I kind of let it slide. But I was also like, how do you not know about the wallflowers? What if you didn't? Light. Yeah, yeah. And if you didn't have VH1 growing up. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. I do that. Uh, in in effort of transparency, the question is based on an Onion article <laughs> from a number of years ago. That's amazing. Uh, which was called Jacob Dylan still not convinced that he is not the most influential of the Dylans. Ooh. And uh, but it's a funny question because so many people in previous seasons have picked music by Bob Dylan uh, to play on the song on the show, and I asked the question, and they're always very thrown off by it because it's. <laughs> I ask it in jest, of course, but they're like, "You're what? <laughs> how, how dare you?" And I'm just like, "Come on, get a sense of humor." Um, but I'm like, it's "Yo, Sixth Avenue, Sixth Avenue heartache slaps to this day. Come on, yes. uh, <laughs> that comes on." My coworker, shout out to Wesley. He has a Google algorithm. The two of them, one of them's tailored to pop music. One of them is tailored to uh, 1990s alternative. Uh, adult contemporary rock music. Ooh. And sometimes Sixth Avenue Heartache comes on, and when the, the chorus hits and it's Adam Duritz and Jacob Dylan singing, I want to be like, harmonize with me, Wesley. Come on, let's do this. And he's always like, no, we're not, we're not, we're not gonna do this. Oh, come on, Wesley. I know, I know. Oh. But oh. so tell me about Marshall Crenshaw and uh, specifically my back pages. Because this is again, Marshall Crenshaw is a name that I am aware of. And that he is a, uh, I mean, a, he's been a performer for a very long time. But aside from that, and that this being a Dylan tune, I am unfamiliar with and as to why you picked it. So please, the floor is yours. So this song I discovered on this album, Bleecker Street, Greenwich Village in the 60s. Okay. And it was a covers album of all of these people doing these songs from the sixties. Okay. Like old, like, like early folk songs, like when folk was really popping and like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And Marshall Crenshaw does this version of my back pages. And okay. at this point, like I had never heard the Bob Dylan version and I am of the firm belief as is my dear friend, Tim Fink. <laughs> we have this philosophical like tenet in our lives that Bob Dylan should never sing his own songs. <laughs> um, yeah, people have a lot of hot, I mean, a hot take about Bob Dylan, you gotta, like, I personally don't really fuck with Bob Dylan. I appreciate and respect what he has done for contemporary popular music, and he is a, he is a great songwriter. Um, and he has written songs that will live forever, obviously. But yeah, I just, I, I can't. I can't bang with that voice with like, it's just not my thing. I've tried, I've tried so many times, but um, I, so I, Something to protect Couldn't bear 
did you ever see that that weird experimental biopic? Um, Bob, Bob, no. Bob Dylan. Okay. Uh, with Kate Blanchett and Christian Bale and oh yeah, that one. Yeah, uh, where it's like different actors playing Bob Dylan, a Dylan-esque figure. Pardon me, because it is not it is never specifically stated that it is Bob Dylan, and it's not like sanctioned by him. Um, but it's different. It's like five or six different actors playing him at different portions in his life. Um, and there's like a young black child who plays him at one point. Yes. And yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to like that movie more than I did. And I did not, I didn't know if you had seen it or were familiar with like the soundtrack or anything. Cause again, it's I, all, it's all people doing Dylan covers. Yeah. I'm familiar with the soundtrack because okay. that soundtrack that was around my college radio days. Oh, okay. okay. And that was on some heavy rotation on the college radio. Because <laughs> there's nothing that college students love more than to say they love Bob Dylan. Or Bob Marley. I was going to say, college students still fuck with Bob Marley, I think. Oh, um, boy. Depending yeah. on what college you go to. Jeez. <laughs> or Dave. <laughs> Dave Matthews. <laughs> Oh my God! I'm just naming all the I'm just naming all the like terrible artists that white people really like in like the wrong situations right now. Um, so what is it about my back pages that you were like, yo, this really hits, or I really like this version, or I'm really interested in this song? So this is probably my favorite Bob Dylan song. Okay, and I think like I've done some reading about it. And tried to figure out, because I really like the lyrics of the song. Okay. And I figured out it's because he wrote it in 1964 when he was kind of growing disillusioned with hippies and the peace movement and all of that. And he was like, it's that whole in the chorus that I was so much older than I'm younger than that now. And that theme actually shows up in other of my songs here today. Oh, oh, that hit, that hits. That's, that's foreshadowing. That is, that is heavy too. But it's that whole idea, like we always think we know more than we end up knowing. That is a valid point. That is, that is very true. And we're always more confident than we should be. That is also very, I feel very seen. <laughs> <laughs> by your analysis of this tune. <laughs> yeah, I but feel I very vulnerable saying this out loud because it's no, like, I I'm included in this. No, yeah, no, I told, I'm like, yes, I 100%. If I could do the celebratory reaction to an instrument. Struggles we went through and how I 
So when I opened up your list, I was like, the, there's like one of like one of the artists, and we'll get to them shortly. I was like, yes, I anticipated that you would pick a song by this artist, but the rest of these were kind of surprising. And Don Henley was very surprising. Specifically, the heart of the matter was very surprising. Um, but Don Henley, this uh, Don Henley, uh, he likes to sue people. And I was going to make a joke about the, when he sued the Duluth trading company, but I don't want him to find this podcast and then try to sue me. Um, (laughs) But that album, the end of the innocence has hits hits for days. Right. And uh, I was so happy to find, to see this on here because this is such a great song. So tell me about your relationship with the heart of the matter or specifically with Don Henley and why, you were like, yes, I want to, this is specifically the Don Henley song that I'd like to put on a podcast to talk about it. So this gets deep. Okay, here, are we going to go, we're in the trust tree, so it's, we got, we're good. So surface level, I just love Don Henley. Okay, wow. Do you fuck with the Eagles or do you just Don Henley solo I love the Eagles. Okay, okay, okay. Don Henley, the Eagles, the whole nine yards. Okay. I love Don Henley's voice. I, yeah. It's, it's, he does have a good voice. Um, it's strong. Really um, yeah. It's got like a kind of like a rough, a little roughness to it, but he really sells it and makes it work in a lot of songs, especially in the, um, on this album. The yeah. End of the Defense. Which has that moody photo of him, black and white, ponytail, cigarette. Um, yeah, the ponytail. Down. The ponytail is just like, you were, that's big 80s energy right there. <laughs> and but, this is, this, so, so, yeah, the heart of the matter, which is the closing track on the album, which is, I mean, this is like a big number to wind the album down with. Right? How did you close with this? I like, know, leave the, them in tears. So, like, this album, though, is so wild because it, like, opens with the title track, which has got Hornsby on the piano, which is why it's so fucking good. Um, But this also has New York Minute on it, which is another banger. And then there's another one on here, too, that is, um, that was also a single. And the name of it is escaping me right now. But this album had, like, four or five singles off of it. And they're all rock solid. Don Henley, man. Yeah. So the heart of the matter, though, this is big, it's, a big, tri- like not even triumphant, but it's like it's like the it's an epic. It's an epic closing track. But why is this one uh, specifically one that you wanted to talk about or um, get into to include in this? So this song, specifically, it's the chorus of this song. Uh huh. 
when he's talking about, I think it's about forgiveness, forgiveness, yeah. even if uh-huh. you don't love me anymore. Yeah, that's real. So that's real talk. I'm like 11 years old. Okay. My dad has been dead for maybe four years. I am convinced that it is my fault that he is dead because I went boating on the day that he died. And therefore, I caused it happening. That's children's logic. Fantastic for you. Adults adults have logic like that too, though. So yeah, that's true. I shouldn't say. But no, that is that's that's all that's that is heavy. Like, and that's like a that's very specific and like a very strong like connection and memory to be to to be like this is a thing that I am blaming myself for because I did this other thing. And I just remember hearing this song and I didn't get, like, I didn't get that it was like a love song. I didn't get any of that, but I understood that he was talking about like at the end, what you want is to be forgiven. Yeah. Like even if you don't get to be loved again. This song has some, I mean, these lyrics are fucking, like, caught. Like, the opening line is, I got the call today I didn't want to hear. Right. And then there's that, I'm learning to live without you now, but I miss you sometimes. That's, yo, this, yeah, that is, that's real. Like, that is real talk. That is a real thing to connect with with this. That's, whew, that is deep. Thank you for sharing. Like, thank you for being willing to get into that and and talk about that. Like, did, have you did you have you since like worked through that? Yes. To so an I extent? worked through okay. all okay. of this. Okay. Which That's is good. why I can sit here and talk about this. Okay, too. I didn't know if you were like <laughs> using this as like you were like Kevin. You, I didn't tell you, but this is my therapy session. You're, we're doing, we're doing zoom therapy on your podcast without the video. (laughs) 
do you have you done zoom therapy at all during the pandemic i sure not have to, done not zoom to therapy. get not to get tangential here zoom therapy hits different it still hits but it hits different it does and i got i added like an extra layer to it because i ghosted my therapist of 13 years right Ooh. before the pandemic hit and i was shopping for a new therapist at the beginning of it and uh so that was like you were a new person that I might never see in person, but here you are as a face on my computer and I'm going to, we're going to begin this journey together. And oh, that's it's wild. Yeah. It's been really wild. And so it's been kind of like, we like, it's been freeing in a sense because it's like starting over with so, like, at first I was very apprehensive about starting over with somebody new and being like, I have like mad baggage to unpack and you do not know anything about me except like the email that I sent you asking if you're taking new clients. <laughs> <laughs> But um, she was like, yeah, this, that's great. And I was like, so I've had the same therapist for 13 years and it just wasn't working. And I, uh, this seems like as good of time as any and like the bravest time to try to sever that and start over. And she was like, cool, fuck it, let's just do this. And so it's been, it's been really helpful, but it's also been like weird sitting in a room in my house on Wednesdays with my laptop and my headphones and she starts like the thing at this like the, the thing pops up and, and then it just starts and, and so like I just was like this seems like a weird dystopian thing but this is just like how life is now and I don't like are do you did you adjust well to doing that or were you like this is I'm this is this feels cold and I don't like it so I adjusted pretty well to like relationship wise and all of that because I've had my same therapist for eight years now. Okay, because you've lived in Des Moines since like 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's like been with me the whole time. Okay, okay. She's my ride or die. (laughs) (laughs) Susan, if you're listening, shout out to you. Shout out to Susan, yeah. (laughs) Um, But my problem is I would do it at, I when I first was doing my Zoom sessions with her, I would do them at work. Yeah. And I have like multiple monitors and things. So I would leave my work email up in the background thinking, oh, this won't be distracting at all. Oh, and it'd be like wildly distracting, I bet. Yeah. And And then I'd be like trying to get real about something. And it's like, Liz, the copier's streaking. And it's like, ah, (laughs) I can't. (laughs) You're like, this isn't my problem. (laughs) Like, I do not fix the copier. I'm in a meeting. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> ah god get an intern to do it jesus <laughs> so yeah really the problem with zoom therapy has been me has been okay. me <laughs> managing <laughs> my own environment <laughs> yeah i've i found that it's hard to like because my wife has been working from home since march and she's in the office and she has the door closed but then like i go in the bedroom and i close the door and i'm still kind of like paranoid that she's gonna hear me and so like i kind of hide in a corner and hope that like the sound Ah. doesn't travel and it's like I'm like I should just get a white noise machine or whatever and but it's just kind of like there's no good place in the house to do it for me either and I just like that's been the struggle because it's like I can't go to a coffee shop and do it right I can't I can't go to the library and do it and so it's just been kind of like it's that's been like the big kind of like major adjustment it's like this is how therapy works now but 
I have to find a place in the house where I feel comfortable and like that I'm not like worried because that's like not what therapy, I'm not paying this woman <laughs> the money that I'm paying her to be like, oh, I'm not going to make it too hot today because I'm, I'm worried right. <laughs> about, about how sound travels. Amy Mann once told me that voices carry. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to just keep it real. Like, let's just keep it, let's keep it light today. <laughs> surface level only yeah surface level only like so how are you how are let's put the spotlight on you how are you doing (laughs) um but so anything else with don henley slash the heart of the matter or the end of the innocence the album um which i had on cd uh because of course i do and i was so thrilled to be able to just grab that and throw it on the computer to use for this because i was like yes don henley and i have this song because it's a bop Yes, and, uh, it is. Oh. So, you know, I was looking at that track list and like there are songs on that album that are so self-indulgently long, like six plus minutes. And it's like the 80s were a time where you get away with that, where you could be right. like, I'm going to release a solo album and one of the singles off of it is going to be mad long and you're just going to have to deal. Because <laughs> I'm like, not Henley. New, New York Minute is like way long. It is. <laughs> and even like the heart of the matter, I think, is kind of like, let me pull up my iTunes here because I, I tossed this into a playlist. Heart of the matter is five and a half minutes. And that's like kind of, that's, that's lengthy. Um, it is. The Last Worthless Evening, that is the other song I was trying to think of, and that fucking slapped so hard. That is six minutes. That is a six-minute pop song, and it's just like, Don Henley, you're doing a lot. And But I, I, as a kid, my parents totally had this from Columbia House, and I was like, yes, I I like this album, and I like how long these songs are. I was, uh, I was not surprised to see Tori Amos on your list because you, you introduced me. Like I was obviously aware of who Tori Amos was because I grew up in the nineties and we had cable. And I remember the video for cornflake girl coming on regularly on MTV, uh, when I was a child. So like, I was always like, um, 
peripherally aware of Tori Amos and, but I did not really get into Tori Amos until you and I became friends and you had like her entire discography. (laughs) I remember listening to it a lot during my sophomore year in college um, because Scarlet's Walk had just came out. And so I was like going through a big Tori, Tori Amos immersion. And so you, but of all the songs you picked, I was not anticipating this one, but this one is a total banger. Um, and would you say that this is a, a obscure Tori Amos song? Is this like a deep cut for real Tori fans only? Yeah, I would say so. So this is from the Great Expectation soundtrack, which, do you fuck with this movie? Have you seen yes. this recently? Do you like this movie? Or are you I like love this, this movie. I saw it uh, probably within like the last decade maybe or so. And... I don't remember, like, I remember thinking it was very visually striking. Um, but I don't remember, and I, Bobby De Niro is great in it. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like, it's, I don't know. I don't remember feeling strongly one way or the other about it. But do you think, it, has it aged well, Great Expectations? I think it's aged decently. Okay. I don't think it's like, this is an amazing adaptation. <laughs> It is bold, though. I think it's bold to take a Charles Dickens novel and then drop it into mid-90s New York. Right. And make it about art and everything. Like, I think that that was a bold choice. And I feel like that's the kind of thing that could only happen in the 90s. Yeah. So you picked uh, from the Great Expectations soundtrack, which has, like, a lot of hits on it. It's got Duncan Sheik. It's got uh, Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, but this is Siren, which yes. is, this is, like, this hits really hard. And I forgot how fun it is to just while out to this song. And so what is, like, of the Tori Amos songs that were, like, on a short list for you to pick, uh, what was it about this one where you were like, yes, let's talk about Siren. So I love this song. I, I love how, like, it's kind of churning. It is. Yeah. It does. The rhythm is very, it swirls. And it's also one of the first Tory songs that I remember hearing. And like the lyrics are kind of weird, but I yes. understood it. Okay. Yeah, the lyrics are super bizarre and, like, really vague. And um, it's more, I don't know, like, for me, it's been always, like, it creates a very ethereal kind of dizzying environment. And, like, especially with her wordless singing that happens throughout, (laughs) which is very spooky. And then she has kind of, like, she dips into, like, that sinister guttural range a couple of times with her voice. Yeah. Um, And I just think, yeah, this is, like, all the best Tori Amos things happening in like one song. Well, and I, I feel think. like especially when you pair this with the intro that she does. Oh yeah, 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 right it's a, yeah, yeah. That slides like right into this, doesn't it? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's a thing that people don't do anymore, where they do like an intro track. Oh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a little ostentatious to do it on a soundtrack <laughs> and be like, I need the first two tracks on this soundtrack for myself. Everyone else is going to have to come after me.
Um, so were there other Torium songs that you were thinking about doing on this or was it just like Siren is, this is the, my go-to because it's like an early one that I have a memory with and um, like it has all the, it has like shadowy lyrics. It's got swirling, it's got piano, it's got her vocal range. Um, yeah. It, it ticks all the boxes. Siren might be, it might be my favorite Tori song. Wow. That is I think mine is Hey Jupiter, but for sentimental reasons. Yeah. <laughs> See, because I really, really, really like putting the damage on. Oh, my God. That is devastating. <laughs> you would be bumming us both out if, right? you, if we did. Like, I can't if we, talk about that song. If you were like, let's do anything off of Boys for Paley, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, pump the brakes. Are you sure you want to get into this? But Boys for Paley is my favorite Tori Amos album. and It's great. Um, I love the history behind it and like the, her, like the process she went through with like doing all kinds of like drugs with shaman and the volcanoes that she was like visiting. Like, it's just like the history behind that album is very wild. And I think that's what attracts me to it aside from the fact that it's good and it's like 76 minutes long, but yeah, this is like concise, nice and concise. This stands, this stands alone. Like this doesn't need to be in the context of an album. It just works like. Here is a standalone song by Tori Amos that is like slays so hard. It really does. Yeah. I kind of want to watch Great Expectations now to see how well it's, how kind time has been to it. Me too. I was kind of like, hmm, do I have time this weekend to watch it? <laughs> Maybe. Is Hank, Hank Azaria is in that too, isn't he? Is he? I think he's the husband. I think he's Gwynny's hu- husband. Oh, man. Yeah, it's got like a it's got a wild cast. And Chris Cooper's in it. Yes, he is as the dad. Yeah. In rural Florida or whatever, wherever yes. the story begins. halfway point here this is drastic change um and this was a wild one because i had to do some digging to find this because i was not familiar with this and i hesitate to say this is like mad whimsical sounding but this is like tonally very different from anything else that you've picked and i want to know why you picked this so i don't even want to try to butcher the pronunciation of this group's name um but it it say it on me here because I'm an uncultured buffoon and there were like letters that had like the O's had the lines through them and I'm just like I'm going to fuck this up if I try to 
<laughs> to say it. I just call them Oslo telescopic. Okay, I thought it was. I thought there was like mad accent or like a specific there way. There probably you're... is. Okay. I don't care. Okay, so Oslo telescopic. What is? Who are they? Or is it one person? Or is it like? Is it a collective? I. I it's... think it's a collective. I don't really know. Okay, how because did you go ahead? I found this. So this album, I picked this song because it's my favorite song from this album okay. that I picked up when I was living in Paris. Okay, that's see, this has like big study abroad vibes to it. And yeah. I I when I heard it, when I heard it start, I was like, this is so fun and fancy free. And I could just like I, I was just like, oh, Liz studied abroad and she was in Paris. Like I was like, this has big Paris energy. And so did, did you buy you bought did you buy this when you were in Paris? I did. Okay. And it was, it was like I was in this little record store. Uh-huh. And I just liked the way this album looked. Okay. And you knew that you, this is like a blind buy. You knew yeah. nothing. Of, did you even like ask to listen to it or did you ask the clerk? Like, is it nope, a way? I was and, just like, I'm going to buy this. That's bold. And that's sometimes that gamble does not pay off. And other times, <laughs> sure other times you're like, Oh, this was fun. I, I'm what a surprise. I surprised myself. Um, that, so do you have you listened to any of the other music by this group, or like is this just the one album and you were like this represents a specific time in my life and I fuck with this song so hard because it's just like super fun? It's really just this album because okay. this was all before like iTunes and electronic music buying. Yeah, so you just listened to it on your disc man. Yeah, you and so Paris? and then yeah. when I got. Back to Dubuque. Shout out to Dubuque, Clark College. We it's defined. not like Borders had a big <laughs> international music section. <laughs> how much, on, upon reflection, I reflected very recently upon this for, uh, for something. How much money do you think you spent at Borders when we oh, were living geez. in Dubuque? <laughs> I think about that all the time. I think about like going there regularly. I'm like, yo, I had I had to leave with something. I don't know why I felt so compelled, but yeah. This does seem kind of like the thing we would have found at Moondog Music, though. Oh, that's this album. true. Yeah. That place still is a thing, I think. Is it Moon- really? I think so. Yeah. I think they're still operational. Oh, that makes uh, me happy. Yeah. So, um, hit, hit, hit is what this is called. Um, and this is just, so do you, when you listen to, do you listen to this a lot now or do you just think about this song and think about your time when you were young and abroad and studying elsewhere that wasn't the Midwest? Yeah. I don't listen to it often. Okay. I put it, a friend of mine a couple years ago went to Paris, um, on like a two week vacation and I okay. put it on this three part mix that I gave her for her okay. trip. Okay. And that sort of reminded me of just that whole time in my life. Okay. 
and being you, that carefree. And this yeah. song sounds like that time in my life. It really does. Like the, I, this, when this came up, when I was playing this uh, in order the other night when I was making dinner, um, I was like, this is like, this is, and I looked at the release date of the album and I'm like, I bet this is big Paris, like study abroad. It like just being young and being like feeling free and like being okay with that. And just like, being okay exploring and like being in a place where you don't know anybody or like you and just like having an adventure and not getting like anxious about it right (laughs) which is not like that's like i can't even fathom (laughs) i don't even know if i could fathom it then but like definitely now i'm just like the idea of that is just like oh boy i don't know how anyone could be that bold yeah yeah i don't know how i did the things i did We were so young once, and it's wild to think about that. I'm getting tired of your shit. You don't never buy me nothing. And every time you come around, you got to bring So this next one, this is, I love this song so much and I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you picked this. I used to play this on the radio a lot when I had a radio show in town and I had to make a mad edited version uh, where I had reversed the swears in uh, audacity and it does not hit the same when you hear uh, the opening lyric with half of it being reversed. Yeah. But I, I, when I was right before I hit record and was like getting ready to do this, I was getting, um, just doing some dishes and I was thinking, does Tyrone have one of the greatest opening lines of all time? And I would say, yes, I would say I'm getting tired of your shit. You don't never buy me nothing is probably, hands down, one of the best opening lyrics of at least the last 25 years. And I will fight somebody who disagrees with yes. me. Yes! <laughs> I, I will fight you shirtless in the street if it comes down to it. I love it. You can take them. Um, but so, Badu, Erica Badu, um, a wildly compelling figure in contemporary popular music. Um, did you watch her verses with Jill Scott? Did you get no, into any of those? I heard about it. I did not watch any of them. Um, I think it was a fascinating idea. I thought once they lifted a lot of the social distancing, like 
quarantine bands and like people were in the same room together, just really far apart. It didn't seem as fun. Like I thought part of the fun was two people stuck in their respective houses talking about their music over Instagram live. So yeah. the, the, the Erica Badu, Jill Scott one is they were both in their homes and they were just like chopping it up and playing tunes. And I think that was probably one of the best ones from what I read. Some of them have been very terrible. But no, so no. of all the Erica Badu, um, why did you pick Tyrone? This is my favorite Erica Badu song. I mean, this okay. is one of my favorite songs of all time. It, it's so good. It's so funny. Um, and she says everything with such a straight face, like the deadpan of all of this and kind of like this, like the knowing wink to the listeners uh, that comes with this is just like, I love, I do love this song so much. Well, and um, I get it because like, I, I dated Tyrone. His name was Brian. <laughs> but good God. Shout out to Brian. Uh, whew. Yeah, that's too bad. I was gonna—that's I was gonna ask if you picked this because you were in a Tyrone situation where so, someone you knew had to call their respective Tyrone to help them come and get their shit, but they couldn't use your phone to do it. And that's the best—the best part of it is that Brian introduced me to the song Tyrone. <laughs> that's beautiful. That is—that's a beautiful irony that I hope wasn't lost on him. Right? <laughs> Sometimes um, life just works so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. How long ago was this? Was this like... Oh, geez. This was... Like after Clark, grad, like grad school stuff or like early Minneapolis days or... This was after Clark. Because we're covering about... We're covering 19 years here, but now we're covering like 15-ish years. Like post-Clark to now in terms of... Yeah, this was after Clark before law school. Okay, okay, okay. Do you keep in touch with Brian, or are you not friends with any of your former partners? I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm a burn-the-bridge type of person. (laughs) I respect that. I really do. Sometimes, Sometimes you just, like, the bridge does need to be burned because there's no reason to keep it there. Like, I I totally get that. Yeah, in that... The bridge never should have existed. <laughs> Light my cone, sing my song. I don't give a damn if I'm right or wrong. Toodaloo, toodaloo. Come on, Man, 
Hot takes. Shots fired at Brian. Um, do you still listen to like, I mean, Badu, she's the last thing she released was like a weird mixtape called You Can't Use My Phone. And that was like at the end of God, 2015, maybe. And it had like a song with her and Andre 3000 on it, which was like beautiful. Um, was it? I don't, I don't know anything about this. So she hasn't put out like a proper album in Mad Long because she did like that two part thing where it had like the weird drawings yes. of her on the front of it. And one of those albums had window seat on it and window seat is a really good song. Yes. Um, but so she put out, it was like a mixtape. It was called a mixtape because it wasn't a proper album, but it was, I had to be at the end of 2015, like this just sliding in at the very end. And the very closing song on it is her and Andre, which is wild because they were romantically involved for right. a long time. And it's, it's gorgeous. It's like them, like he does like a verse at the very beginning and they sing, like they harmonize together at the end of it. And it's just gorgeous. So if you, so shout out to all the listeners, if you have a chance, listen to the song um, and you should check, Liz, you should check that out. If you have a yeah. chance, if you have, do not, are you not familiar if you're not familiar with it? Cause it's, and that's like the last thing that she's done um, that she's released. Like she doesn't really, I mean, she doesn't have to, she, I would say Erica Badu, um, I mean, she has put out albums. She has a, like four or five, but I would say she falls into the category of artists that do not owe us anything. No. Like, like Lauren Hill is one of those artists. D'Angelo is one of those artists. They have done something so monumental and made such an artistic statement that will withstand the test of time and is still relevant and is still something you can reflect on and see, like find something new in when you listen to it, even 20 years later that fans are like, Oh, we need another Lauren Hill album. No, Lauren, uh, Lauren Hill doesn't owe you shit. Like no, uh-uh. D'Angelo. Okay. You put out black Messiah, but you didn't have to like, you could like voodoo. You could have been like, no, I'm good. We're done. Like we're done. And I don't need to do anything else for you. And so like Erica Badu, I think it's been about 10 years since she's done a proper album. And so like, yeah, she doesn't owe us shit. Like she can make, she can just like be live in Dallas and just be eccentric and do Instagram live battles with Jill Scott. And that's totally fine. Like she does not need to release new music to as like fan service, I guess. No, no, not for us. I love you. For sentimental reasons I hope you do believe me I'll give you my heart I love you And you alone Please give your loving heart to me And say we'll never part I think of you every morning Dream of you Uh, so we're getting into the we're getting into the final four here after Tyrone, and this is a drastic change in um, 
in aesthetic of what we have heard thus far. We're getting into like a cla- like this is classic. Like an, yeah. An, an, like not even an oldie. This is like a this is what it would like a standard, like a old kind of jazz big band standard. Um, Nat King Cole. Uh, you picked for sentimental reasons. Are you? Do you listen to like stuff like this regularly, or are you just? I do. Okay. Okay. I I love standards. Okay, that's. I feel like that's something I haven't explored. Did, have you always liked standards, or is that just like a new like something you got into at a certain point in your life? I got into them in high school. That's a fascinating age to be like. You know what I'm going to throw on some Nat King Cole. <laughs> <laughs> and this is and this is actually this song I picked because in high school my friend Steve Hunnicky and I would go to this place in Cedar Rapids Eddie Picard's Backstairs for Jazz and it was this like little smoky jazz club oh and there was like a a jazz combo that would play and Steve would request for sentimental reasons. And Eddie and the group would play it. And we would dance. Oh, that's a, that, so you really, you literally chose this for sentimental reasons. That, I that's did. A, that's a really charming story. That's a really charming memory to have of high school. Like, that's wild that you were, I, A, I did not grow up in a town that had a jazz club, but as a teenager, I would have definitely not been like, I'm going to go to a jazz club tonight. That's, that's so like cultured and ahead of your age to be doing that in high school. I think like for me personally, I'd be like, wow, that's wild. Like that is something I would not think like a teenager would be doing, but that's, that's like, that's really fascinating and like a great way to like expose yourself to a genre of music that you might not have heard or like not have immersed yourself in so much. That's great. Are you still are you still in touch with your friend Steve? So I'm Facebook friends with Steve, and okay. this is actually like putting together this playlist and mm-hmm. thinking about this song has made me like want to reach out to Steve. Be like, Steve, how are you? you I miss I, you. I does he still live in Iowa, or does he? Do you know what he's doing now? I mean, I have no idea. Of- At one point, he lived in Africa. Whoa! That is wow! Wow! I wonder if he's still abroad. Shout out to Steve for uh, making requests in jazz clubs. Um, that you should reach out. I would encourage that. I would encourage like I have had relatively good luck 
with like reconnecting with people that I knew from a different time in my life and just reaching out and being like, hey, I, I have been thinking about this thing, how like, I hope you're doing well and hoping, and it doesn't, if it doesn't turn into like a rapport that lasts a long time, that's okay. But if it like turns into like, if you like remake, if you make that connection again, like that's super dope. So I would encourage, and for the listeners out there in podcast land, if you've got a friend that you've lost touch with, hit them up. Just be like, hey, what's up? I was listening to the song and I was like, yo, we used to dance in a jazz club to this. So that's, that's wild. Do you have any other like other standards that you would recommend to people who are not into standards or like other Nat King Cole songs that you ride hard for? Oh, oh, that's so hard. <laughs> I mean, love that L is for the way you look. Oh at me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That song is just, just about perfect. Yeah. Um, Basically anything Sinatra. Okay. Yeah, Fly I me was, to the moon. I was, you know, the other day I was thinking about, and it's kind of a downy clowny one, but I was thinking about Send in the Clowns. And I was Aww. I was listening to that and I was like, yeah, this still hits. I, Kat like, and I used to listen to that song at Clark. <laughs> oh, shout out to Cat! Oh my God. Cat. I think about Cat all the time, actually. Um, I miss Cat. Maybe I should ask Cat to be on the podcast. <laughs> and we can talk about Bjork. <laughs> That would be amazing. <laughs> and the music of Shakespeare. And the music. I wonder if you'll go, oh no, ever thought of staying so low. If she thought of other men and if she doubted John Lennon, worrying that he'd distract her or Sitting in the Apple Sessions, giving John her With the way you structured these, was there like a specific way that you structured these? Like as far as like pacing or like the tone switch from like something kind of slow and somber to something like a, with a different tempo? Or was it just kind of like, what was, because the the structure of this one too, like with the set list here that you've got has been uh, made for a wild ride. And we're not even at the end. Like we're just, we're just reaching the final three right now. You know, it just, it felt right to me. Okay, okay. I respect it. Because, like, the art of structuring, like, a mix is very challenging, <laughs> as you and I both know. Yes. Um, so, Dar Williams. Uh, how would you classify Dar Williams? Would you say she's a folk singer? Or would how would you... Because this name is, like, mad familiar to me for some reason, and I, I couldn't figure out why. Yeah, she's, uh, like, a contemporary folk singer. She's, you know, like, girl with a guitar. yeah. Um, so this is called, I won't be your Yoko Ono. And I thought that this was really, this was funny, but in like a cutting way. And <sighs> I really liked it. I liked the energy because it did have big, like mid nineties, 
like, yes, I don't want to say girl with a good girl with a guitar like writes a lot of things off but it had like lilith fair cities 97 adult contemporary like right like girl girl with a guitar with a band like hit single energy um so is this like a popular song i just wish i remembered why i knew the name dar williams like this just seems like i wonder if my father listened to her at one point i don't know but so tell me your history with this one so this, I learned about Dar Williams from my sister, Emily. Okay. Shout out to Emily. And I bought her album, The Green World, based on Emily's recommendation. Okay. And that's where I discovered the song, I Won't Be Your Yoko Ono. And I kind of paired this with I Love You for Sentimental Reasons because Steve, mm-hmm. in requesting that song, and then we would dance and he would like sing it while we danced. He, like, set this gold standard for, like, what a dude should be. <laughs> and we were, like, we were just friends. But, sure, like, he sure. just very, like, respectful and cool and requesting my favorite song. And yeah. And then I Won't Be Your Yoko Ono is like, yeah, so don't take advantage of me. And... <laughs> put me second to all of the nonsense that you're going to do in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Idiot after idiot after idiot that I inevitably date. When did you lose touch with Steve? Like when you went to college or like, were you still in touch? Like, yeah. Like when I went to college. Okay. Making love with every chakra when he said her voice would carry and when he whispered, oh, Chuck Berry, only then would Yoko set him free. will come and vanish later, transcendental love is greater. I think if we had this somehow, we'd be feeling famous right now. We'd be saying love is a This was a fun song, like even though it has kind of like deeper rooted reasoning behind why you selected it. Is your sister Emily older, by the way? Is she the Two oldest? Two years older. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, did she introduce you to a lot of stuff, like turn you on to a lot of music? Like I just, when people have families, um, specifically like sisters who are close-ish in age or like there's like time where they are very influential to you with certain things or like you're like I my sister listened to that or like I listened to that because like I heard it in the house because I didn't it was just me and my parents 
And so, like, was Emily turning you on to a lot of music or, like, passing things your way? Not really until she went to college because she went to college out in Roanoke, Virginia to a women's college. Okay. And then just learned about a whole bunch of music like you do when you go to college. I was going to say, college is when you when you really understand music, I think. Like, you think you have an idea when you're younger, but then in college you're really like, oh, okay. Like, this is what I... Now I understand. <laughs> and so she just would tell me about stuff that she was checking out that okay. she thought was good. Okay, and Dar Williams was among those? Yeah. Okay, I think she is still active. I have her Wikipedia page pulled up right now. Um, the New Yorker described her as one of the best singer-songwriters in America, according Amazing. to this pull, this pull quote here. She is still present, uh, presently recording. Um, she put out an album in 2015, so she's still doing things. Good. Good yeah. for Dar. Good for Dar, yeah. She's got a very vast discography starting in 1990 and releasing albums regularly yeah so yeah that's uh have you ever like seen her in concert or like never okay okay did you did you go to a lot of concerts ever not Uh, a ton because i mean like you growing up you had like way more access to shows than i did because you were in like closer to major like Cedar Rapids, Iowa City area, like got shows. Um, yeah, I, like I went to a couple. Sh- I went to shows when I was in law school. Okay, and oh, I lived were... in Iowa City. Okay, yeah. Did you go to Gabe's Oasis? I sure did go to Gabe's Oasis. <laughs> Shout out to Gabe's. I've been there once. And oh yeah, man, yeah, it's I something. Was, it is. I was like, this is really something. <laughs> Did you go to a lot of shows when you were living in Minneapolis or like in the cities? Did you get out much or were you too busy? I went work? to one show when okay. I lived in Minneapolis, a Harmar superstar show. Oh boy. Oh, that's, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. the dreams made real all of the buildings and all of the cars were once just a dream in somebody's head she pictures the broken glass pictures the steam she pictures a soul with no leak at the seams wait until dark Um, so this, the, the, this next one, 
I am kind of familiar with the album that this is from because this. So you picked a song by Peter Gabriel, and he about was this ten years ago. He did these this album where it was like he did these very sparse orchestral moody covers of other songs, and then the artists that had been covered did stuff of his. Is that how that worked? It was I like think a, so. Yeah. Because I remember he did an Arcade Fire cover of My Body is a Cage. And then he did a cover of Heroes by David Bowie, which was in an episode of Stranger Things in the first season. Oh, and, yeah. And I was like, wow, that really hits. Like, this is really emotional. It was one, one of the like more emotionally manipulative moments in that show, I thought. Um, but so this is Peter Gabriel and Elbow. Shout out to Elbow. I remember them. I used to ride very, very hard for them during our first year at Clark. Yeah, um, you did, didn't you? Because that album had just come out. Their first album had just come out, and I was really into, like, British bands because I was like, oh, I like Radiohead. I should like other British bands. And so I was like, I like Elbow. I'll let me listen to this. Um, but so this is called Mercy Street. And so what's, how did you – are you a big Peter Gabriel person? Do you, are you into his, his body of work or his work with Genesis? Um, or like what? I'm a Peter Gabriel person. Okay, but I actually found this song from Todd, my okay. husband. Shout out to Todd. Ah, uh, uh, uh. um, is he still sitting in the same room as you? He is. He's sitting is right he, next to me. Is he giving you a look? Like, yeah, it's about time you get to me. He knows. He's just <laughs> like, yeah, you know what's up. Ah, uh, Todd. But this song is actually. Um, Based on a poem, an Anne Sexton poem. Okay, okay. Forty-five Mercy Street, and it, and it's sort of it's kind of biographical about this song. Is kind of biographical about Anne Sexton. Okay. Which, I think, is why I really like it because I really like Anne Sexton, and I like how haunting it is and how dark it is. Yeah, I this had like big haunting energy when I was playing it. I was very surprised. Word upon word Confessing all the secret things In the worn velvet box To the priest He's the doctor He can handle the shocks Dreaming of the tenderness That tremble in the hips Of kissing Mary's lips Dreaming of mercy Out in the boat, riding the water. 
but also like the the concept of those albums the peter gabriel albums that was the tone like his voice is very low now and yeah the the string arrangements are all very spooky and so um this that kind of i got that vibe off of this one he does there is on that um on, uh, among those albums where he was just doing orchestral arrangements of everything, there is a version of In Your Eyes that he redid with, Ooh. and it's uh, it's it's something. If even if you think like the original is over, is overrated or whatever, like it is worth listening to. Like the 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 way the string arrangement hits when he gets to the refrain of the song is just very moving. It's very like it's surprising, like how well it works and how stirring it is. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Do you listen to a lot of Elbow now? They're still active. I don't. Okay. Did it just happen that they were? Uh, uh, part of this tune yeah okay okay i've listened to basically every version of mercy street out there and <laughs> i think this is my favorite version okay, okay. i'm not confident but okay I think. okay if there are sometimes it's tough it's sometimes it's tough to pick if you have a favorite version of something like right. there's like many versions and you get attached to one or the other Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Where you gonna run to? All on that day, will I run to the rock? Please hide me and run to the rock. Please hide me and run to the rock. Please hide me, Lord. All on that day, but the rock cried out. I can't hide you the rock right out. I can't hide you the rock right out. I ain't gonna hide you down all on that day. I said, Rock, what's the matter with you, Rock? Don't you see I need you, Rock? Lord, 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 all on that day. So I run to the It was bleeding around to the sea. It was bleeding all on that day. So I ran to the river. It was boiling around to the sea. It was boiling around to the sea. It was boiling all on that day. So I ran to the Lord. Don't you see me praying? Don't 
But so Nina Simone, we are closing with Sinner Man. Yes. Which is a big one to close with. <laughs> and I picked the 10-minute version because I assumed you wanted to get as much of this one in as you could. What's um, the point of listening to anything other than the 10-minute <laughs> version? I saw these, like, abbreviated things come up, and I'm like, I think she's probably going to want the whole thing. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't want the whole thing. Um, but, so, t- like, Nina Simone, again, kind of, is like, I say she's transcendental of, like, standards. Like, she is iconic. But do you listen to a lot of Nina Simone regularly, or has is, is she impacted your life at all in some fashion? Oh. Nina Simone is one of those artists that I heard for the first time and it's like it changed the way I thought about music and what I thought music could do. Yeah, I like does it knock the wind out of you when you Yes. Like, yeah, I You know, that's like when something hits like that and it just takes your attention and makes you rethink or like reappreciate how music works. That's like, whether it's like one song or like a whole band or like a whole artist, it really like, it stays with you. So what was, was Sinner Man the first song that you heard that, that did that? Or was it a different one? Sinner Man was it. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. That is because there is so much happening in this song. Um, but so how old were you when you, were introduced to this and like had that experience. So I can do a quick Google and tell you exactly how old I was. <laughs> One second. <laughs> I was 19 years old. Okay. Because I first heard Cinnaran in the movie, the Thomas crown affair. Oh wow! I have not seen that. The Pierce um, Bro- the Pierce Brosnan joint. Yeah, the Pierce Brosnan joint. Is that a good movie? Um. Well, subjectively, is it a good movie? How is the Thomas Crown Affair aged? Do you think is Renee Russo in that too? Am I thinking of she the is. right movie? Okay, and Dennis think- Leary. What does he yeah. do? Like, does he just do stand up the whole time? No, he's he... like the straight man, the cop. Did so? What? How? Why were you watching the Thomas Crown Affair? Were you like, this seems like a movie I want to go see, or were you like? So I wanted to watch it because it's kind of an art movie. Because it is about yes, because he's an art thief, isn't he? He's an art thief, and there's like art forgery and and. Then several years later, we actually watched the Thomas Crown Affair on one of the art department's bus trips to Chicago. Oh, boy. <laughs> and you were like, I've seen this before. <laughs> which, I don't need let to me see- tell you, it is monumentally better than the movie in which Pierce Brosnan plays a Native American warlord. I'm sorry, what? That is that a that's a movie. That it's a movie. Hang on. That sounds I'm, that I want to. That seems like I need to get the problematic light for that one. Uh huh. <laughs> Gray owl. He plays a Native American warlord. Yep. Um. Yeah. 
I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna give that the problematic light if I can find. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um. Big dumb Eric brought it on the trip. Fucking big dumb Eric. I haven't thought about that guy in a long time. Shout out to big dumb Eric. <laughs> Oh, my God. Destroying the art department at Clark College. Oh, that guy. We went to, <sighs> we went to school with some characters. <laughs> we, we sure did. Anything else about Nina Simone and Sinner Man? Because this is just like, I mean, Nina said, like, this is a very, this is like funk. Like, this has big, like, a lot of, like, this has, like, this was very palpable, the funk and soul in this one that I felt once it started. And she does a lot of things with her voice that were otherworldly. And right? I, like, it's amazing. And so I, uh... I mean, she. I mean, she has like a lot of like slow burning songs though, too, doesn't she? Like that aren't like this. Like that. This she is does. Like, yeah. So, do you are the are those more your jam, or is this like you like this kind of raw visceral? 
I really like this raw, visceral. Okay. Yeah. But I don't, her, her version of Strange Fruit is. Iconic. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, may I ask what context Cinderman is used in t- the Thomas Crown Affair? Like, how is this? So it's basically like the theme of the movie. That's so fascinating. And it's played while the art heist is going on. What a juxtaposition. Yeah. Does he draw, but, does he yacht does he have a yacht in that movie? Is he like boating around a lot? I think he has a yacht and okay. a plane. Of course he Maybe does. Or a, I know he takes Rene Russo to an island. I just remember seeing the trailers and there's like a lot of boating that happened, I thought. Um, cause I have not, I'm not familiar with the Thomas crown affair other than the name and the cast. And I was really surprised. I remember that Rene Russo was in it. Um, I'm impressed. <laughs> should we have a film podcast where we just talk about like kind of forgotten movies from the nineties that one of us hasn't seen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I can just like not understand anything that you're explaining about the time. Like you're like, Oh, there's an art, art heist and Nina Simone is playing the whole time. And I'm just like, that doesn't make any sense. Like that's not what I would think to have playing when I'm stealing priceless artwork. <laughs> But it's happening, and it's epic. It sounds epic. It sounds like it really works. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you want to say or get to get into? Because we've been chopping it up, and we've gone through a cavalcade of genres and names and feelings, and we got real, and we got fun. Um, do you have any final thoughts you want to share with the listeners? I don't think so. This has been amazing. This has been... Such a joy to just dive back into music. Oh, bless your heart for saying that. Thank you. Like I, when sometimes people really tense up when I ask them to be on this and they like don't want to do it or they're like, I can't talk about music in the way that you do. And I'm like, it's not about talking about music, like how I talk about music. It's just like talking about if you can like talk about a tune and why it means something to you. We're good. We like that's that's that on that. Like that is we we can have a conversation. Um, so I really appreciate you being willing to do this, and especially being willing to do it remotely, where we are just two wave files that are forming on a screen. And um, it's uh, this has been great. This has been great learning and uh, catching up and and talking about your your musical history. So I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your evening uh, to do this and and going down all this musical musical road with me and my listeners. This has been excellent. I'm so glad you asked me to do this. Of course. It's been an honor speaking with you this evening to talk about all this. So thank you again. You are welcome. I'm going to stop recording now because I think we're okay. good. Okay.